Hi everyone, I'm really excited to welcome you all to the very first episode of Let's Talk All Things LGBTQ+. With me, your host, Annie McKinnon. If you would like to find out more about me, visit my website www.coachingcart.com. Before we get started, I've got a little confession to make. I did think about doing some test runs, uh, being the perfectionist that I am, uh, to get them out as they should. And then I thought, well, actually, that's not very authentic. And I promote being our authentic selves every day. So here we are uh, doing just that and totally unedited. So without Further ado, I would like to introduce you to a very good friend of mine and also my very first guest. Jo identifies as lesbian, as a mother, and also a school teacher. Jo, a huge welcome and thank you so much for being brave and jumping on this first episode with me. I'm sure our listeners are ready and waiting to see what we'll chat about today. So welcome. Hi there. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be the first. Yeah, and I'm excited to get this show on the road. As you know, it's it's taken quite quite a while to get us here. So I'm going to ask you a question, Jo, and I will be asking asking all guests this question. So if I were to give you a superpower right now, what would you want it to be and why? Well, I think it's interesting you use the word authentic a lot in your in your business and personal life is that I would love it if uh, I could have a magic wand to wave and so that the children that I teach were able to be their authentic selves, whether they were having thoughts that were maybe towards being attracted to the same sex or, you know, gender uh, differences, that they were actually able to never have these worries that maybe we had when we were that age and they could just be authentic, be themselves and never even have to have a conversation about how they feel and who they are. Yeah, that would be such a perfect world, wouldn't it, Joe? You know, you talk yeah. about, you know, the way we grew up and, and how things were back then. And and I wonder, you know, you identify as lesbian. Can you remember the first time that you were attracted to another girl and what that was like and what went through your mind? Well, I remember being very, very young, uh, maybe five years old. And, you know, everyone in the, in the class talks about who they're going to marry. And I was uh, very sure I was going to marry my best friend, Martha. And as I, you know, I, I truly adored this girl, but in a way that I genuinely would want to spend my life with a person of the same sex, even at that young age. And I remember then not really knowing that that wouldn't be okay. And I think as I got older, it's only then you start to realise when you start being teased for the things you say, that that, that's when you start to question things. But back then, didn't even occur to me. Yeah, I mean, imagine that would have been really hard when all your friends are like crushing on boys and here you Mm. are adoring this female. How did that feel? Uh, I mean, at the time, it didn't 
it didn't even occur to me but very soon um I remember being called names on the playground um and having children not wanting to talk to me um and being very confused about that and not understanding and hearing this word lesbian and not knowing what it meant um whereas obviously some of the older kids do know what it means I didn't really have a relationship with my parents where I could ask questions about things like that so it was quite scary and it made it made you feel guilty and and shamed before you even really understood what what it was all about yeah and those feelings of guilt and shame I'm sure we all in the community can relate to growing up and having feelings you know for the opposite sex and and just not knowing much about it yeah. do you remember do you know how how was it when you did come out what age were you I think I I had a brief relationship with a with another girl at my school when I was about 16 um but again I didn't identify it as anything and we got huge uh you know bullying teasing uh horrendous things but it still didn't occur to me what my feelings meant, I think, because I'd grown up so conditioned, maybe not intentionally, but conditioned that you grew up and you had a boyfriend if you were female and you got married to the boy and you had a baby and all of those things. So even even then, it didn't occur to me what it meant. And it was only 10 years later when I actually had had a long-term boyfriend uh, by that point I'd had a child with a man um, and I met a woman and started a proper relationship so that was 26 27 and even then I didn't specifically tell people it just sort of sort of happened and people obviously realized and that actually at that point things had started to change a lot in society um, and in the adult world it was fairly well received. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about, you know, adoring this girl that you had met, but then went on to be with, you know, a man, getting yeah. married, having a child. Yeah. Uh, I'm really curious as to, because it's almost like you would have had to have pushed those feelings for that female away. I think, I don't think I ever pushed the feelings away. They were always there. But I just, I honestly thought that everybody felt the same. I kind of thought, well, maybe everybody just feels like this, but they still marry a boy and that's perfectly normal and you just get on with it. Um, it, But then women, as I got older, started to talk about how attractive they found their boyfriends and I started to think, okay, well, I don't, I don't find them attractive. I used to go out with boys that seemed nice. And I still genuinely just didn't didn't identify what my feelings were and what they meant. Sure. And it's almost like, it. well, it sounds to me like a mechanical process mm. where you've described, okay, so you meet a boy, you get married, you have a baby. And that mm. is just how it is, that nothing else out with that was recognised. Yeah. And I think having done that and and then had a child, I remember thinking when I met this woman, starting to think, well, I really would like to have a relationship with this woman, but I can't now because I've got a child. And back then there weren't 
there wasn't lesbian marriage and they weren't all having babies and that just wasn't it wasn't a thing at all and I remember thinking well I could never let the school find out or my daughter find out I mean it's okay that friends and family know but we you know we mustn't let her suffer yeah what what were the the reactions of your close family and friends at that time they I mean I was very lucky they just took it in their stride. I don't have a huge family, but at the time they just completely accepted it, didn't really bat an eyelid, which which does build your confidence because then you start to think, well, maybe I can tell other people and that will be okay. So we did sort of start to tell more and more people, but we didn't tell my daughter still for some some time. How, how old was she when you shared that that news? I think she was a teenager, so maybe 14, and she got terribly bullied at school by the other girls. She went to an all-girls school, interestingly, and even more interestingly, some of the girls that were in the group that bullied her are now identifying as lesbians. So you, you, you can understand the pattern that was perhaps there, and those, those girls were very scared too and, you know, confused, but um, it was very hard. Yeah, I... You know, I'm curious to hear how you you manage that situation, you know, being a school teacher yourself, but at the same time, sort of witnessing your daughter being bullied in the school environment. Uh, It was extremely difficult to manage because the school didn't care. Um, It was quite a tough school with a lot more serious issues than that. So that was the least of their worries. It was more supporting my daughter to cope with it. And eventually she did just turn around and say, yep, my mum is gay. And, you know, she just made them literally stop dead overnight their behaviour by her behaviour. And ever since then... She has been completely open, honest and an advocate for for everybody, not just people in this community, but everybody, you know, she's so, she will fight for any kind of prejudice, fight against it, which I think is partly down to her experiences. And she sounds like an incredibly courageous young woman. Yeah, that, she, she is. That stands up for what, what she believes in, which is fantastic to hear. So in, term, in terms of your school environment and LGBTQ+, how, how has that sort of fitted in with, with you and your values and your beliefs around the LGBTQ plus community? I think that's still a really uh, up and down situation, really. The first school I taught at um, was a Catholic school and it was a temporary post. Uh, And whilst I was working there, a permanent post became available and I'd done incredibly well there. But they actually told me I couldn't apply for the permanent post uh, because of my relationship with a woman. Um, And they actually showed me a contract and it specifically said in the contract that that wasn't allowed. Um, and that, you know, that sets you up. You kind of think, okay, so that's how it's going to be. And then you start to shut down slightly. So I went off to another school, which was a, or a Church of England school. Um, and once again, I was faced with a similar thing. I decided to be open um, because I thought, you know, I don't want this hanging over me. So I was offered the job and I told my new head teacher 
that I was gay and that I had a partner. She was incredibly supportive. However, she said she felt that it should be kept private because of the highly religious families that attend school and the church we were attached to were very anti-gay. And I did. I went along with it. I mean, that was 13 years ago. And I do feel we've come a long way since then. But I did go along with it. And it's almost for a quiet life. Um, you know, all the staff knew, no pupils knew. And having heard recently about a head teacher somewhere in this country who's come out to his pupils, he's a secondary school head teacher, and he decided to come out to his pupils and got cheers and, and whoops from them. And I just think, how amazing is that? that he's been brave enough to do that. But what a shame that we are actually still too scared to do it because how will, how can we encourage them to be who they are when we are still too afraid to tell the truth? So, yeah, I did hide it. Later on, um, a few years back, some of the parents did find out because somebody put a picture on social media. And actually, they were very supportive, the ones that did find out. They, they had no problem. But it's it's still a minority of groups that do make it very difficult for you. And and whilst my head teacher may have, you know, you may say she was being discriminating, she was trying to protect me, and I understand that it came from a good place. Yeah, but there's this just this sense of being inhibited to be who you are, to be mm. your authentic self, yeah. and how other people can come in and just put a block on that. And I'm sure yeah. a lot of, of the people listening to this podcast will be able to, to relate to that. I know I personally, you know, can relate to that as well because the messages that we get from other people are basically, no, you can't do that or you can't be this or you can't be that. Yeah. You know, almost these rules that are set that if you don't look like this, if you don't behave like that, then what society will do will ostracize and put you in a corner and ignore. Yes. Um, and it's still, sadly, it is happening still in this day and age. I mean, I remember once being told that we had to attend school events as members of staff and we had an annual ball for the parents and the staff were expected to go and bring bring along their partners but I was told I wasn't allowed to bring my partner wow and I how said did, well, how did that feel Joe? Oh, I mean I'm just I'm just cringing as I listened to that I wasn't you know I'm not allowed to bring my partner I think I think that that's almost sparked something inside me because after that I firstly I said well I'm not coming then and then secondly I said I'm not hiding it anymore I said no that's enough you sparked enough anger and, and resentment inside me that I thought what am I doing why am I allowing this to happen so after uh, after that I I decided that I was just going to to be me and I thought, no, I'm not having anybody telling me again what I can and can't do with my life. So if I wanted to walk down the high street with my partner holding hands, if I were to bump into a family from my school, that was how it was going to be. I just wasn't going to hide anymore. I didn't go around shouting it from the rooftops. Mm -hmm. I just stopped hiding. Yeah, and just started to be 
your authentic self and yeah. just while I'm talking to you I can just feel this sense of relief you know and I wonder you know what was that like in reality for you being or to making the decision because that's in reality what you did you made a choice you made a decision I am not going to allow other people to tell me how to live my life and that if I want to walk down the high street with my partner holding hands, that's exactly what I'll do. Yeah, I think it is a sense of relief and it's a sense of freedom. I think it's still limited to an extent because I don't think that straight couples walk down the high street and consciously look around for who they're going to bump into. But I think today I still do that to an extent if I think I might bump into somebody from, from a school community. I'm still conscious, although I've made that decision, I still don't know how they're going to react. Is somebody going to confront me? Will there be conflict? Will somebody go to my school and make a comment? Um, will, will another parent be told? Will that affect the children? It shouldn't. But I think whilst I made that conscious decision, and I think I made the right one, and, you know, if I ever hear children in my classes talking about this type of thing, and they do, you hear them going, well, you can't marry her because that's two girls. And another another one will pipe up. Yes, you can. My mummy and daddy told me you can do that. And I'll go, that's right, you can. So feeling more open to talk about it is wonderful. But I think there is still uh, a long way to go. Yeah, and I'm certainly feeling that. daily fear if you like and anxiety Mm. of going just for a walk like any person would do but still having that fear of what you might come up against if someone disagrees with the way that you live your life yeah I think I think it's still there although I have been very lucky I feel that I haven't had to face anything particularly in my life I I know people who have so they're therefore the the kind of slight anxiety is still there yeah and I, I can I can totally hear that and I'm also interested in when you were talking about being in class and some people saying no you absolutely can't be with the same sex and other you know some some other children uh, which is really healthy and great to hear or, or standing up and saying, well, actually, you can. You mm. know, what, what, what is that like in the classroom? You know, are there further discussions about it or is that? There, there certainly are a lot of discussions about it. And in the last um, few years, they've been writing and now introduced a new um, relationships and sex education curriculum. Um, and it's actually law that, schools have to teach children about all types of relationships and gender um now to me they've written the new curriculum we introduce the new curriculum we get on with it but no you know the debates that have gone on oh how how can we teach this in our school but not say this how can we mention this and not do that not happen I mean I actually heard fully grown adults professionals saying things like um well what if we teach them about uh changing genders and then they all want to change sex and I just you know, in this day and age, and these intelligent, professional, educated people are actually saying those things. Um, and they were still going back to the church, the religion, and how teaching about gender and same sex relationships goes against 
the values of the church. Um, and I'm talking very recent conversations here. So whilst I know legally I can be in my classroom and talk about those things, I also know that another teacher may choose not to. Okay, right. And, and do you think that comes from a place of lack of understanding or a place of, I guess, resistance in, in teaching children about LGBTQ+. I very much got the impression it was fear by a lot of them. Uh, There were a lot of Christian members of staff. Mm. So part of it was they truly felt it went against their personal values. And then some of it is complete lack of understanding because they couldn't identify with the different ways that people might feel. And, you know, Whilst whilst I can understand those feelings, you're there to educate. You may have your own personal feelings, but you have got no right to bring those into a classroom. So I, I think it is a real mixture of, of where they're coming from. And I, I heard a lot of arguments with a lot of different things being thrown around. And I'm guessing a lot of myths and in, in half-truths. And I'm wondering, you know, the responsibility has been put on teachers to, you know, sort of widely let our children that are, you know, coming up to be, as you say, educating them, giving them the information. But are those teachers being trained so that they have a full understanding of whether it's gender identity, you know, the LGBTQ plus acronym? Well, certainly not as yet. I haven't seen any training taking place. Um, I was certainly told about it and provided new curriculum guidance. But I think you made a really good point there is that actually there is education to be done. It's almost like many years ago when computers were introduced, you know, a lot of people needed a lot of educating to understand and start to use them in the workplace. Uh, It was a massive change in the way that they had to behave. And this is a similar thing. If this much um, difficulty and prejudice, perhaps fear is being raised, perhaps they really do need some in-depth training Mm. on what it all means. It's all very well for us in that world, understanding all of these different types of relationships but perhaps people I mean we know we grew up conditioned yeah perhaps they are still in that conditioned world and they genuinely can't climb out of it yeah absolutely and I think that's that's a really good point and I think you know for for the teachers or society in general to be more educated I mean the LGBTQ plus acronym has grown and grown and it's so vast today that, you know, I'm certainly not an expert on on absolutely everything. And I'm hoping that through these episodes that we all become a little bit more enlightened to what that acronym fully means for for people who, who identify differently and that we can all then un- have more of an understanding and then maybe bring in some compassion to the world when we have that understanding. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Joe, I'd just love to thank you very much for being on the show. And one last question. What would you like our listeners to take away from today's episode? I think that it's really important that you be brave 
and be who you truly are. Be your authentic self, just like we said at the beginning. It's it's the best way to be. And whilst you may face challenges, um, just go for it. Go for it and and be be who you are. Great. Well, I think that's a wrap, Joel. <laughs> we did it. It's done. Episode one is done. So again, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Thank you. Well, folks, that's it for episode one of Let's Talk All Things LGBTQ+. If you want to get in touch with me or Joe, please contact us at info at coachingcart.com. That's cart with a C. 